Okay, Mishi, I'm recording now. Great. So we're recording. So I'm Mishi, uh, that is Marie, and we have a particularly international uh, call going on here from Berlin, uh, Amsterdam. And where are you in Brazil exactly, Maya and Isabel? De Porto Alegre, Rio Grande do Sul. She's speaking from the south of Brazil in Porto Alegre, uh, which is the capital of Rio Grande do Sul, one of the Brazilian states. I've never been to Porto Alegre, Brazil. It's a large city way down south near Uruguay. The metropolitan area has a population of about four and a half million people. So basically half of Israel. Can you guys hear us? I think you maybe muted yourself. Five different rivers converge at Porto Alegre, making it an important port and center of industry and commerce. So it doesn't seem as if you're muted, Maya, but for some reason we're not hearing you. Maybe when you put in the earphones? The name means Joyful Harbor, which sounds very nice. Even though in 2017 it was ranked as the world's 39th most violent city, with 1,748 homicides. You okay? Now yes. Yeah, so it's probably the headphones. There are no direct flights from Porto Alegre to Tel Aviv. But if there were, the plane would have to fly more than 7,000 miles. I just was gonna try again. Okay. So why, you might be wondering, is Porto Alegre opening the final coda of our Alone Together series? Well, it's because it's where Maya's mom, 54-year-old Isabel Cristina de Oliveira, lives. And who is Isabel? Uh, my name is Isabel. I'm a professor at the public né? So Isabel just said that she's a teacher uh, working in the public service and she also said that she worked as a supervisor in the school. Back in early March, Isabel traveled to Italy and unbeknownst to her in Bergamo, she contracted the virus. When she returned home to Brazil, she went about her business as usual, shopping, seeing friends. She was even about to go back to school to teach. Then she started to feel sick. She started to feel uh, some symptoms. She was feeling really tired. She and her daughter Maya reported it to the local health authorities, who basically ignored her. They called a second time, nothing. They called a third time. And then Maya, her daughter, said that she was a teacher and that she was coming back to school within a few days to teach children. And then they kind of said, oh, well, we might want to pay attention to this case. Isabel finally got tested. And the results came back positive. She was the first COVID-19 patient in Porto Alegre. Even though she immediately went into quarantine, she was publicly shamed and blamed. People on social media were vicious. And on Facebook especially, as she says, the main narrative they were trying to spread is that they were rich people coming from Europe to Brazil to disseminate the disease and that uh, poor people in Brazil, for example, who don't have access to private health insurance would be the most affected by these rich people that are going uh, to Europe. Because I could have been normal. 
Isabel felt guilty. Minha preocupação com os outros, né? Her mind kept going back to those people that she had contact with and she couldn't even like begin to know like exactly where she went or how to find those people she felt responsible for them as well. At the same time, she also felt misunderstood. She hadn't done anything wrong, at least not anything malicious. She felt really judged by everyone else, and she even cried when she read the uh, Facebook comments and posts on her case. Maya's close friend from university is a Brazilian journalist called Giovanna Fleck. She's the one translating Isabel's answers. Um, so my name is Giovanna Fleck, and right now I'm talking from Amsterdam, where I'm currently doing my master's. Should I say something else? Should I All great. add more? Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> this summer, Giovanna went home to Brazil, mid-pandemic. And then I was kind of reconnecting with friends and talking with friends, uh, like trying to get a sense of what was going on in Brazil and how were things for everyone. She met up with her good friend Maya. Uh, so we were just catching up and she told me about her mother, who was the first patient from our region um, diagnosed with COVID. And in that same week, uh, when Maya told me that story and when I actually got to talk to Isabel about it, uh, I listened to one of the Alone Together episodes on the podcast. Uh, I started to listen to Israel's story like not long ago. And then I listened to Roni's story. Am I saying his name right? Okay. So I listened to Roni's story and I was like, oh my God, these are the same emotions that Isabel just shared with me over our call. These are the same things that Maya was telling me. Roni's story, in case you don't remember, was the story of patient number seven in Israel, Roni Bargil from Migdala Emek. It's in episode 52, in the beginning. Here's a little clip from that story. Roni knew he would be on the news soon too. And indeed, before long, reports surfaced of another unnamed individual who might have spread this terrible virus. Patient number seven. Him. As he watched, he felt guilty with myself. So I had to apologize. I, I, I felt that I have to apologize to people. And I said, there is no other choice for me but exposing myself. And so, after trying as best he could to reconstruct his steps for the authorities, he decided to address his internal sense of guilt. How do you say sorry for unknowingly spreading a deathly disease? He got his phone, went on Facebook, and started typing. Good afternoon, everyone. I want to share with you that on Saturday, I came back from a trip with my family in Italy, in Naples. He explained that he had tested positive for corona, but could not remember all the places he had been. So I want to say to everybody that it was me. Do not try to speculate, it's me. And I was uh, in touch with many people since we came from Naples. And we are very sorry if we have hurt anyone because it was not on purpose and we did not know. And it's very difficult for me. when I'm writing this uh, now, I will not lie, asking from everyone to take things in the right proportions. Thank you very much. That's it. That's what I, uh, I wrote. What did you mean at the end when you said, 
you're asking people to take it in the right proportions. Not to blame us. I'm, I'm a very good person. I'm not a, a bad person. So it's not easy to be criticized by people. I could not remember where I've been all those days. He took a big breath and pressed post. I just thought, oh my God, I need to share that with them. I need to, to show Maya that. I need to, to, to make them realize that Isabel is not the only one feeling like that. And especially regarding social media, you know, and how people got to know her story without knowing her and then uh, assuming a lot of things about her story. Something kind of what happened to Roni in some levels as well. Giovanna sent Maya a voice message. Like very excited, like, oh my God, I just listened to this. It's like mind-blowing because it's happening across the world. Maya, do you still have that audio message? I think I have. Oi, Maya, tudo bem? E eu me deparei, guria, com um episódio de um podcast sobre Israel. Because I remember Giovanna's very excited. She's, oh, Maya, you need to listen to this podcast because it's the same uh, history of your mom. Uh, the person feel very bad because he bring the the COVID and the same is very similar. It's my mom's story. Except that Isabel doesn't speak English and couldn't understand the episode, but Giovanna and Maya did their best to translate and summarize. Olha, eu achei o que que eu pensei assim. So she said that. Uh, as soon as she understood that it was a, a story similar to hers, she immediately thought that, oh, so this didn't only happen to me, this happened with someone really far away from me. And she felt that it was important to connect those stories. Eu achei importante até fazer essa, essa ligação, sabe? And, and just to clarify, you and Maya and Isabel, no, none of you are, are Jewish, right? No. Okay, and have have any of you ever been to Israel? No. Also no. I mean, let me just check. Maya, você já foi para Israel? A Israel, né? No. <laughs> we never have been in Israel. Okay, no. <laughs> I asked Isabel what she would say to Roni if she had a chance to talk to him. Isabel, se tu pudesse dizer uma coisa para esse outro homem em Israel que mora numa cidadezinha e que teve uma experiência parecida com a tua, o que que tu diria? And then, as Isabel was answering, we magically transformed into the podcast version of Oprah, or Jerry Springer. There was no surprise guest rushing through the curtains and taking a seat on stage. Instead, on cue, a new little square appeared on our Zoom window. So, an almost perfect timing, uh, Roni, Isabel, Isabel, Roni. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Ishi Harman, and this is Israel's Story. Back in June, we started our Alone Together miniseries with the story of Yair Baich, the Chabad rabbi in Cyprus who desperately tried to circumcise his newborn son Elimelech at the start of the pandemic. And from that beginning of life tale, our journey has taken us in all kinds of directions and introduced us to different people dealing with COVID in different ways. We've celebrated lockdown birthdays and weddings. We've met nurses and patients. 
We've explored the Haredi, or ultra-Orthodox, experience of combating both a virus and widespread discrimination. We visited animal shelters, corona hotels, hectic ERs, homefront command platoons. And we closed our last episode, about death during COVID, with a piece which in many ways was the counterpoint to the Bris saga with which we started. A collage of Jews, Muslims, and Christians all figuring out how to say goodbye to their loved ones in the midst of the pandemic. While COVID is sadly far from being behind us, as I record this, Israel is about to enter yet another, second countrywide lockdown. Starting next episode, we're going to move on to the rest of our season, with stories that gasp have little to do with the virus. But before we end this series, in just in time for a Seret Yemei Tshuva, the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the Jewish High Holidays, we want to ask for your help. These have been extremely challenging times for the entire world, of course, but also for us here at Israel's Story. Our annual live show tour, which accounts for about a third of our budget, was obviously cancelled. Our producers have been quarantined with little kids at home. It's been difficult and sometimes impossible to conduct interviews. The easiest decision would have been to put our operation on hold and furlough the staff. That's what many other media and cultural organizations in Israel did. But we decided to go the other way, to double down, to work as hard as we could, to be as present as possible during these hard times. We produced Israpalooza, a 12-hour-long Zoom celebration on Israel's Independence Day that attracted about 10,000 people. We put on weekly live events on our members-only Facebook community. We hosted countless Zoom sessions for congregations and communities around the world. We just unveiled our beautiful brand new logo, which will be followed next month with a beautiful brand new website. And most importantly, we pivoted our entire season plan and created Alone Together, a seven-part mini-series about Israel in times of Corona. As you all know, our content is very expensive to produce and totally free to consume. The only way we can continue this season, the only way we can continue our whole operation, to be honest, is with your help. We did our absolute best to be there for you during this period, and we really hope you'll be there for us now that we need you. So if you believe in what we do, if Israel's story adds something to your life, If you feel that we capture unique aspects of this crazy little country called Israel, please go to our site, israelstory.org, and press the red Support Us button. There are a bunch of different ways to give, and what helps us most of all is if you choose to become a monthly contributor. An extremely generous donor will match the first $10,000 we receive, so your gift will be doubled. You are the Israel Story family, and we rely on your ongoing support to keep our show alive. So as we usher in a new year, I really hope you open your hearts and make your donation today. Thank you, and toda. Okay, and now back to our international Zoom call, in which through multiple interpreters, Ronnie and Isabel started exchanging memories. When I was in uh, solitary, I think like her, 
I did care for all the people around me. I felt guilty because it was the beginning of all this epidemic, uh, so no one knew anything. I felt very bad with myself, like I did something wrong, even though I didn't do anything wrong. For me, it was an emotional experience. Eu penso que ele foi muito corajoso, muito mais corajoso que eu. So, Ronnie, she wants to tell you that she thinks she thinks that you are really brave, and she thinks that you are braver than her. You should tell her that the confusion that's going on in every every place in the world should not get into her because she's only a victim and she should feel like a victim. She's not responsible for nothing. Even though she did this and that, no one could uh, know what to do. No, no one knew what to do. The, the authorities didn't know what to do. No one really knew what was happening. No one. So I really feel for her, you know, because I really know how she feels. I was there exactly in the same place she was. And, and, and it's terrifying to, to be judged by other people, uh, especially when you did nothing wrong. And, I, and I'm sure she did nothing wrong. I'm sure about it. Uh, so it was not easy to be in our uh, uh, place. I just wish her the best. And, and uh, she should know that she has something like a brother in Israel that feels exactly like her. And uh, she should feel good with herself. She should. And thank you very much for, for the kind words she said about me. Because she don't know me, but it seems like we are, we are the same, me and her. Thank you. Muito as Ronnie spoke and Maya and Giovanna translated, Isabel started to cry. My mom, she gets very emotional now. <laughs> so she said that she felt really emotional about everything that he said, that kind of resonated a lot with the guilt she was feeling. But she said that your words brought a lot of relief to her as well. And she also said that uh, she felt really embraced by your words and by what you said. And she hopes that you feel embraced by her story as well. Because accordingly to her, uh, you both are kind of brothers of situation or even brothers of soul that connected with such a distance uh, and virtually, but she says that she doesn't feel like she only knows you virtually. She says that she feels like she knows you more. By now, Ronnie had tears in his eyes as well. <laughs> Emotion has no language. Emotion no language. So uh, I really felt everything she said, even though it was in another language. For me, the most important thing to say is, is to, to, to give her the support and to take the support from her. Uh, that's what uh, was all about this conversation for me. Uh, that she will know and I will know that uh, we are not alone. That's it. You can't see because it's a podcast, but uh, but Ronnie, Ronnie and Isabel are, are both are both making a heart with their with their fingers. <laughs>
Even though all this was happening on Zoom, I could tell that Giovanna, in Amsterdam, was deeply moved as well. I'm sorry for being a little bit too emotional. I'm literally shaking right now, and I'm having goosebumps. <laughs> She said that this whole experience made her stronger and that she feels stronger now than from the beginning of the call. Uh, she also says that where she lives, many, many people are ashamed or fearful of saying that they might have the disease or taking a test and that she finds quite surprising that she had to connect with someone from Israel exactly in the other side of the world to share a similar experience that probably is happening like to her neighbor or to people that are really close to her but she just doesn't know because of all of that hate building up and the fear where she lives feelings are global this is something I really believe in, and distance is not a factor, because what I felt and what she felt is the same, and uh, we can unite by these feelings. Only talking about our feelings it's, makes us feel better. It makes me feel better, also, today. And she can understand me more than everyone else, even in my country. This is not something I have every day uh, here in Israel. So many months I haven't spoke about my feelings, and now I did it with someone that really can understand me, and I I, I really feel good about it. And if she feels the same, so I will sleep good tonight. I feel like Ronnie. I'm gonna sleep well tonight. <laughs> So she was just saying before that she hopes she gets to visit Israel, but also that um, this exchange of emotions was something very healing for her as well. Likewise. Finally, she feels that she is not hiding anymore. Because around her, so many people are hiding and this is so concealed in society. Just to see her eyes and to see the emotions coming, uh, going out from her, this is the most important thing for me. So, wonderful. Well, guys, thank you all so so much for sharing, and it's been I've been with tears in my eyes just listening to you this whole time. Thank you very much. Thank you all. E ela disse, ai, muito obrigada. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye Obrigada. Obrigada, gente. Obrigada de coração. Bye. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to stop the recording now. Okay. Yeah, me too. Stories, dear friends, matter. They make a difference. They connect us through time and space to each other. This series was about COVID in Israel, but for Isabella it was about COVID in Porto Alegre. And I hope that for each and every one of you, wherever it is you're listening, This series was also about something in your life. Something you could relate to during these difficult times. And now, as Alone Together comes to its end, please help us continue this magical storytelling journey of ours. One that highlights a small country and its people. The Israel we try to explore is diverse, 
and complicated. It's heartfelt, strange, interesting. And most of all, it's real. Your support isn't just a wonderful show of appreciation for what we do here at Israel Story. It's a vital part of our operating budget. Trust me, we literally can't do this without you. So please take a moment, go to our site, israelstory.org, press that red Support Us button, and donate. It's that simple. Donations are tax-deductible, and since our show is independent, when you support Israel Story, you're supporting us. Directly. People like you who care about Israel and care about storytelling are the reason that Israel Story exists. So thank you. We'll be back in a few weeks with the second half of the season. Till then, you can binge all our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on social media under Israel Story. And you can sign up for our newsletter. A big thanks to Giovanna Fleck, who brought Israel Story to Isabel and Isabel to us. Thanks also to Wayne Hoffman, Sheila Lambert, Erica Frederick, Jeff Fag, and Joy Levitt. Joel Shupak scored this episode with music from Blue Dot Sessions. As always, Sela Weisblum created the mix. Israel Story is produced in partnership with Tablet Magazine. Our staff is Yochai Meital, Zev Levi, Joel Shupak, Yoshi Fields, Skyler Inman, Sharon Rappaport, and Rotem Tzin. Jeff Umbro from The Podglomerate is our marketing director. Abby Adler, Carly Rubin, and Marie Ruder are wonderful production interns. This was Abby and Carly's last episode with us, and we can't wait to see all the amazing things you'll both do next. We also extend a warm welcome to our new cohort of interns, Clara Fug, Michael Vivier, and Alicia Vergara. I'm Mishi Harman, and we'll be back soon with new and wonderful Israel Story episodes. So till then, for myself and the entire team, Shana Tova Umetuka, have a sweet and good new year. Shalom Shalom, and Yalla Bye.
Oh, no.